This is the Gary V Audio Experience. Hey, a podcast. Joe from Team Gary here. Today's episode is an interview that Gary did on a podcast called The Mix, a podcast that aims to redefine the higher education experience. In this interview, Gary talks about why he's optimistic about education reform and why he thinks the education system didn't work for him. Enjoy. Hello, we're back in the mix. Abby Brody here. I could not be more excited about our guest today because he's legendary and goes by so many names. CEO, serial entrepreneur, trend spotter, media expert, and the list goes on. It is the one and the only Gary Vaynerchuk. Gary, thanks for joining. Thanks for having me. That was very sweet. How have you been? Good. I want you to know, though, it's incorrect because that intro is lacking a very important um, name for you. I think you, I'm going to let you know as an educator that you are one too. So from now on, you are Professor V in the mix. Thank you. You're very sweet. You know, it's funny. I, I sit on the board of Pencils of Promise. I, I believe in education. I literally, the tweet I posted right before coming on here, this is super ironic, wasn't even thinking, was before you get into NFTs, get educated. Right, so I'm a, I'm, you know, education, both in like the way I think a lot of people talk about it, but then also in the mindset way that I get a lot of pleasure out of, which is like when you start changing people's perspective, when you start really leaning into emotional intelligence conversations, I, I believe opening your mind, hearing, and my whole life has been predicated on hearing something that changed my perspective, right? All of us are from the way we're parented to schooled. And so it's funny because I know I'm positioned as someone who puts out a lot of content of like, you know, screw you college for doing this. But, you know, education is an incredible passion of mine. I do think that there is a lot of conversation needed to be had around how it's packaged and sold, executed. Um, but I appreciate that. And I, and I, in the last three to five years, have realized that about myself. And it's been, a, it's been a great revelation, you know, because I had a very difficult relationship with school. And, you know, in hindsight, and I'm like the lead, I'm like, you know, it's funny, I hate, disproportionately dislike complaining because I think accountability leads to so much good. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm not confused that my lack of success in the education system is a systematic one for people that learn differently. And it's a worthwhile conversation. You are not alone. And I know you're not alone because people actually come to you a lot. Parents and students come to talk to you about this. But before we dive into what education is, because I think you really nailed on something. It's not just college. You could get education. Education is the sharing of knowledge in a way that you can process it and make meaning. That could come just next door from your neighbor or, you know, in a working environment. You can learn from all around you. Tell us about that education story of yours, though. Everyone is a product of education. Let's let's go back in time. Tell us about why it didn't work for you and how that all went down. You know, I think I think there's a lot there, and it's funny as you were talking, I was thinking about like the education that happens on the streets, and you hear about that a lot, right? You hear a lot about, you know, I, I learned a lot outside, and then there's people that grew up in even much more difficult neighborhoods and circumstances, and the streets taught me is something you hear. And and a lot of those people go on to be quite savvy, happy and successful in life. 
Um, you know, my, I was an incredibly good student from kindergarten to second grade. You know, I was born in the former Soviet Union. My mom was a, an incredible student. Um, she was a stay-at-home mom, so you know that was her framework. I would like to say at this point in my life, I feel comfortable that I was gifted with smarts, and so the early stuff came extremely easy for me, memorization, things of that nature. Um, but somewhere around third grade, I could, there was a little bit of a shift. Like I remember in second grade winning all the flash card. We had this great game. I don't know if they still do this. It was like a flash card game of multiplication and you would like go up against a kid and try to go around the world, right? This is still done. I was dominant in it, especially one day. It was around sevens and at that point I was already a crazy football fan. So my 7, 14, 21, 28 was on point. I just cleaned the, I even beat Michael Wong. Big shout out Michael Wong if you're out there, Edison, New Jersey, Martin Luther King Elementary School. I even beat him on the sevens day and he was a beast. Um, third grade, it started to shift. And, and, and you know, it's like a tidal wave sometimes for these kids. And I don't know, you know, I definitely have reading comprehension issues, which I've become much more in tune with in the last couple of years. As I've gotten busier, I've realized, why do I always call these five minute meetings? Wait a minute, it's because I can't read this email. I just can't. And so it's been interesting to kind of go through this journey, but I, it happened fast. I went from like really good in second grade to being done, checked out by fourth grade. It was over. It was already over. I'm still ahead of you. I mean, if you're checking out in third grade, that's not gonna be fun. You got it. And it got, it got bad fast. I mean, I became a pretty significant, consistent D and F student from probably fourth grade on through high school. And so it was, it was interesting. It was interesting for a lot of reasons. I was very, you know, in hindsight, I was a very extreme, you know, it's, it makes sense to me why my life is what it is. I was very unusual. I, I was an immigrant. Uh, which is not so unusual, but, but, and I think a lot of immigrants can associate with this. My mom was incredibly non-active in my academia. Mm. So what I've learned later in my life was she was kind of embarrassed about her accent and it kept her to a very small circle. And so like even going to school, I think she also, uh, in a very different angle, my mom very much knew the whole time that everything was gonna be okay. In a real way. Like I, I, I don't, and she's not a Monday morning quarterback. I recall it, I can feel it. I sensed it as a child that she thought I would be okay. Now that's because also while, you know, by the time I was in first grade, I was very, very entrepreneurial, like extreme. I mean, entrepreneurship wasn't even a thing then, as you know. Now it is a thing. And still, by even today's standards, where kids do a lot of stuff, I was off the reservation. Snow, shoveling for money. Summer, selling lemonade. You know, um, like it was just, you know, washing cars, like selling baseball cards. Like it was 90, 70, 80% of my leisure time was business. And so it was so extreme that I think my mom, you know, by the time I was 11, 12, when you're making 500, $700, $900 a weekend at a baseball card show, you know, this is a this is the nine, this is the 80s and 90s. Those were like real numbers. Now the world is like out of control and it's trillions and billions, but like it was meaningful money. And so, and I was a good person and I was happy and I was, I had a ton of self-esteem, like no teacher and teachers, you know, the 80s were far less politically correct. 
I mean, teachers said things like, you're stupid. Mm-hmm. You know, like, it was different. It was different. I was in a blue collar environment my whole life. And it was the 80s and early 90s. And so far less politically correct. And you're never going to go anywhere. And I'm disappointed in you. And you're going to be a failure. And you'll never succeed. Yeah. You'll check these boxes and get these grades. It's over. But it was interesting. It was never delivered with venom because I was so likable to my, you know, it's, I'm, I'm very respectful. Mm-hmm. You know, so I was taught to be like, respect my elders. So I didn't really disrespect my teachers or I was the ultimate disrespect. I was so convinced by 10, 11, 12 that I would be a businessman that I was indifferent, which I'm sure, which was, I'm sure a challenge for, you know, teachers. The level of, I don't give a shit, I'll show you that I was rolling through at that part of my life was pretty funny in hindsight. Like I, at the time it seemed normal to me, but like, I wish I could watch some of the videos of, I wish there was video of me in sixth, seventh, eighth grade of like, just like unbelievable conviction that I was gonna be okay, even though everybody, outside of my mother was telling me I wasn't going to be. But you had so many reasons, you know, as someone who's taught so many children and especially in elementary education, I see this all the time. That third grade time is a moment where learning loses this meaning. Interesting. From K to two, you know you have to read and write and those things and you understand and it's empowering. Like I could read that street mm. sign. I can get from here to there. But then they start throwing out information that you see no reason and cause of knowing it. And without meaning behind learning, it's meaningless. And the fact that you were able to have that entrepreneur and have those, you had the school of life. You were out there at a young age. And, you know, at Mix, we're really famous for saying, it's it, why is it school, then life? Why do we keep our kids? It makes no sense. It makes no sense. I mean, I sit here today as a very accomplished businessman and still don't have certain financial, tax, legal foundations. I don't. Yeah. No. Like, like I, if, if I took a class in fifth grade that said why new Coke failed, I would've got a straight A. <laughs> now, you know, and that, but 96% of college graduates cannot pick out insurance plans. They, they look at that and they go, mom, dad, like all you. And by the way, the, the, the entrepreneurs, 96% of us, I can't either. Like to me, what I, you know what struck me a couple of years ago as this conversation became more mature in the way that I communicated it and was involved in it? Because as I, as I built an audience in the last five years and said the things that I said, I've engaged with tens of thousands, let me say that slowly for everybody who's listening, tens of thousands of parents who are not happy with me. And, and I said engaged, I get hundreds of thousands and maybe at this point even millions of in- reach outs to fuck you, you know, which I'm incredibly empathetic to. I don't, I understand. We're coming from fear. They're coming from fear, yeah. no question. Mm-hmm. And like an ideology that is grounded in very old data. Very old. And yeah. so, so I, I've had a very mature conversation around this issue, much more than most things in my life. I, I just, I started getting resentful, which is rare for me, of just a wasted time. I started thinking, my God, if in third grade I went to business school, quote unquote, 
for those 12 years and were, even if I was taught, because I think business is very much like sports, you got to play it. But, but I, I'm mad that in my mid thirties, I learned how to carry people's money. Meaning I could raise money and get 20%. Like when I knew Facebook, this is real. I want everybody to hear this because this may surprise people. At 34 years old, I knew that Facebook was gonna rule the world. And I invested $200,000 that I had, which was like almost my life savings at the time. If I was deemed with the education, the simple notion that you could take somebody else's money and do an SPV, I would have went to every rich person, which I knew a lot at that point because I was selling high-end wine, and I would have been petrified to lose their money, but I had 100%, not 99 app, 100% conviction. And I would have made them an ungodly amount of money, and I would have done well, and I was 34 and did not know that. Mm-hmm. And, so, and so what really upsets me is people don't know tax law. People don't know, um, you know how to be strategic around buying a plot for their, like things in life, like plot for their death, for like like little things, like common sense life. Like if I could have been on a common sense life track from third to 12th grade, it would have been life changing for me and I'm sad that that doesn't exist. I agree. I mean, when you think about college time, when the student's on the campus in college, and let's just, higher ed is a lot more than college, let's just focus on college for a second. 8% time of that money is actually spent in the classroom. 8%. So we're talking about what is going on in the other 92%. And why aren't we filling the gap there by creating and incubating our youth with skills that they need from basic contract law so they could sign their lease agreement and understanding money. I mean, personal finance, it's just a small select group that rule the world that understand it. And the rest of us are never given the opportunity to learn it. And well, well, you know, it's funny. It's funny. I think we're given the opportunity to learn it by ourselves. So I think a lot about accountability. I could have Googled you know, investment strategies. I could have. So I don't get like crazy, like the world fucked me. Um, it just doesn't make any sense in any shape or form that there are not dramatically more options from six to 22. Well, the good news is, is that higher education is getting a shakeup. I mean, it is happening now. I think you were one of the people who said it to me uh, in a previous conversation that the internet has disrupted everything. 100%. But education was pretty slow to roll. And I understand why. As educators, we're the vessels of knowledge. And the fact that these kids can Google it, like, what is our purpose? I think, it, I think it's because it's been religion in, in modern societies. It's like, let there be no confusion. Education as we know it today in America and many, many parts of the world is a lot closer to believing in God than it is many other things. It is just fundamentally insane if you knew somebody in modern America say, I'm not sending my kid to school. Not homeschooling, I'm talking not. That would blow people's mind and I actually think it's wildly intriguing as a conversation. Well, this educator is gonna be very clear. I believe in the power of education, okay? It opens doors. It's just there's other pathways and that's the problem. The other pathways are getting no airtime because of this religion, right? And religion based on fear. It's religion, it's social status. You know how much passion we've talked about this. My passion around the bullshit 
that parents want to throw a fucking Brown or Yale or Harvard sticker on their BMW. And that drives so much of all their behavior on how they navigate their child's life, which is literally the judgment of their peers. It breaks my soul. It breaks my soul. So Gary, we have an opportunity. I mean, the mix is doing it. We're remixing, taking what we understand, you know, of how people learn, which is yep. by doing the lemonade yep. stand, bringing it back to the lemonade stand, putting them out, you know, giving them also, we haven't talked about the need of purpose. You know, I talked about how it's school, then life. So it's school versus life, but the two go hand in hand. Education should help find your purpose and your purpose should also help shape the education you seek to find. If you had to remix it, right, and create the educational system that you think would help uh, save and bring forth the next generation of change makers that we so need, what does it look like? It needs a massive collective conversation. That's Tell what it needs. Who's at the table? I think first and foremost, we're living through the greatest greatest era of lack of accountability of parenting that I've ever seen. And I study shit. It's funny that you say that because, you know, many educators, we talk about parents as helicopters. Accountability seems to be all that they're worried about. So tell us more what you mean by that. On themselves. They want to hold the educators accountable. They want to hold politicians accountable. I'm talking about accountability on themselves. Like this notion that like, you, you can take your kid out of that school. You can homeschool them. You can take their cell phone away. Like Instagram's killing my kid. Don't let them be on it. Like you don't let your kid do heroin. Like, you know, like, like you know, I, I think- Well, the other kids are doing it, Gary. Oh, I know why everybody gets a phone in New York City in fourth grade or third grade. Um, I, think, I think most parents lack courage. And I get it because I have children. Like, you love them so much, any level of pain destroys you. What we've done is we've demonized adversity. You know, so much of the mental health issues have nothing to do with social media. They have to do with parents have eliminated losing. Mm -hmm. Everyone gets a gold star. Right? It's a major, major issue. Like the fact that parents go to fancy schools and non-fancy schools and try to fight for their kid to get a B instead of a C is the funniest shit of all time. It really doesn't matter. Oh God, it means nothing. And what it, what it means when it's devastating, and I'll, this is what I mean by that, and somehow through donation, leverage, social status, monies, politics, they're able to change it. All you're teaching your kids is they're not capable of standing on their own two feet and mommy and daddy have to fight for them 24 seven. So I think, I think that there is real, real lack of pointing thumbs at way too much fingers, meaning parents need to do a lot more of this and a lot less of this, right? And you know, I think who's gotta be at the, at the table? Parents. Fucking parents. Absolutely. Like, like, and the student. Let's add the student. We are here for the student. Let's hear what they're looking for out of their education. What are the things they want to learn? And what are the things that will help them be the best they are? Let's talk about for a second, Gary, 
about what does matter. You know, we talked about the B's, the C's, that doesn't matter. But what do you think as someone who gives a lot of advice and also someone who hires talent at Vayner, you know, what are the skills that make, that you're looking for? What matters today? I'm extremely passionate. Look, everybody gets to define what matters. So this is just one man's humble point of view. I'm obsessed with inner human capabilities. Tell us more. Inner human capabilities. My intrigue around kind candor, around compassion, around empathy, um, around soft skills, EQ, is huge. It's huge. And ironically, those are probably the skills that are least likely to be taught in a classroom of four walls. It's why when I find someone who has it, I talk a lot to them about their parenting. How are they parented? You know, I've long flirted to my community through the years of writing a book called Perfectly Parented, which is a book from a human who's now 45 years old from his perspective of how his parents did what they did and why and how and what it meant and what it is. And I, I really, really want to write the book. I just have really, I feel like it's almost so big that I myself, who's the king of just like go, 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 and maybe treating it too precious. So I haven't gotten there and I'm trying to convince myself right now to get over it. But what I think is very obvious to me is that when you just ask that question, who needs to be at the table? Mm -hmm. It's funny to me how empty that table was. And I couldn't agree more and understand what you say about the kid, but this stuff starts early. An 18 year old grown up who's allowed to go and fight a war should Mm -hmm. more than welcome, in my opinion, be able to pick her or his school. How many 18 year olds have the environment in their four walls from their parents where their parents have made them feel safe to make an actual call that they wanna make versus a parent imposing their subjective point of view is unfortunately extremely rare. Yeah. You know, teachers are robots. And it bl- breaks my heart to say that. My sister's a teacher. There's incredible teachers. Teacher. Teacher. Like you, you're, and when I say a robot, it's the same thing as being an employee at VaynerMedia. Let me like not, let me make this very clear where I'm going with this. I struggle to get upset at teachers because I have too much compassion for the game that they're stuck playing. Mm-hmm. They mm. are held accountable. For, and, and, and teachers have mortgages and families and responsibilities. So who am I to ask a teacher to completely break out of a system that will create vulnerability for their life in lieu of them doing a better job teaching me? I can't ask that. I'm not joking. I'm being dead serious with you. Yeah. So, so we have systematic vulnerabilities and it starts with recognizing whether consciously or subconsciously or unconsciously, this system was created to not benefit the individuals that go through it. I mean, the statistics tell us that, right? From our research, only 14% of students leave higher ed using their degree, employed, and not in serious debt. And, and, and by the way, that number of 14 is gonna look like seven in about four seconds. The world, is doing things too fast 
Yeah. And the system Can't of making it. money, and that, notice the words I'm choosing, the system in making that makes money in selling education is getting away with religion. Parents are not holding higher ed accountable. And higher ed's not holding itself accountable. To its it's not, it's not incentivized to. Right. But that's all changing, as we know. And there are some really exciting things. And one thing that it breaks my heart is we're seeing actual pathways open up that never existed. It was college or not college. And then once you were in college, you're on this conveyor belt of four credits of this, three credits of that. Again, going back to Gary in third grade, being like, what's the meaning of this? How does this work for me? We're seeing choices and we're seeing the private sector now jump in, which is really exciting. Well, by the way, listen, I am a capitalist. I think that the modern America capitalist game has plenty of flaws. It's, but the, I always have more confidence in the private sector, even though I'm always concerned that it will go too far. And I do think the private sector has a disproportionate chance of fixing things. And when I say fixing things, there's no such thing as fixing things. It's more about just creating options. Mm -hmm. But, and you know this, and we've spoken about this privately, until the religion of college in America and many other modern societies is not debated much more fruitfully, all we're doing is scratching the surface. This is religion. I will say this, Gary, that I think will make you happy. Gen Z and their parents feel very differently about education than previous generations. That makes me happy. It does. They're really, you know, Gen Z is pushing the envelope. They're saying, I demand more. I demand a return on investment, right? You're hearing them take it out in the streets. You know, it's funny. I feel like Gen Z, of course, not in every circumstance, but is so likely to have levels of entitlement because of how prosperous society is. And I was thinking the other day, I was like, you know, I hope that their entitlement actually is used in the positive of tearing down this bullshit. Because when I hear you say they're demanding, and you see it, right? Like, you know this, you run in these kind of circles as well, so you'll definitely associate with this. The 15-year-old girl, more often than not, is now a mom's friend, not her daughter. And what that does is it's creating a really interesting shift in balance of power. We've got it, you know, the youthification obsession of the 38 to 62 year old mom and dad has created something we've never seen before. Where kids have, I mean, grandparents and are snickering, great grandparents are rolling in their graves by the way children speak to parents. Mm -hmm. My, my own kid just, you know, is starting to call me Abby. So I am hearing this. You are hearing this. So, and he's only 10. And so to that point, I, you know, there's a lot of people that are old school valued that hate it. I understand. I worry about it because I think kids are growing up in a way where they're entitled and don't think they should stand on their own two feet, which really bothers me. And I think leads to a lot of unhappiness. You know, I encourage any kid who's listening here who's of 22 years or older, if you are taking a penny from your parents, you're in a bad spot. And I'm not throwing judgment. I'm trying to explain to you that, and I say this a lot and I get destroyed. Kids hit me up left and right, fuck you. And I'm like, look, you don't need 
to take Uber everywhere. You don't need a $4 Starbucks. You don't need that apartment. You could get a roommate in a shittier apartment. I hope you understand that when you take money from mommy and daddy at 23 years old, you're giving up leverage. You're creating a very unhealthy dynamic. Which will make it much harder when life hits you in the face. And it does. And by the way, life hit you, life, let me tell you something. Life is hitting those kids in the face at dinner tables when dad makes a snarky comment because parents resent. Or parents love, let me explain. Parents either resent that their kid's doing that so they make the snarky comment because one of the parents isn't aligned with the other parent and they're underwriting the kid's life. Or parents love it because they know they have the leverage. And as long as the kid's on the payroll, they feel that they can tell the kid what to do and the kid's vulnerable because consciously or subconsciously, they know mommy and daddy can take away that dollar and that nice apartment or that Uber or that Equinox membership or just even a $5,000 loan or even like $20 because everyone's in different economic levels. It's just not good. There's just, you can't paint me the picture of how it's good. I so appreciate you coming on and I, I know we're limited on your time, but I just want to end by saying I'm hopeful. I am. Me too. I'm an, I'm, I'm an optimist. I think actually you are as well. Like I've never seen higher education. You know, the value proposition has been broken for the student for a while, but now the value proposition is broken on the institution and we're going to see some changes. And it, this is the first time where students should feel empowered. If you're a listening student, you are coming to education in an incredible, incredible time where you can personalize it, make it yours, curate it for your dime and for a way that you could become a life ready individual. Look. Look, I, I'm sorry I have to run. I didn't realize how over my, my no. prior meetings yelling at me. Um, I'll leave it with this. I'm so busy in my life. There are so few things that can get me involved. You have compelled me with your ambition around something I have passion for. I cheer for you heavy. And I hope everybody who's listening here realizes this is an important time. We are going from ABC to Netflix. We're going from Toyota to Tesla. We're going from, you know, my space to TikTok. Like this is a time in education. It's now. And it's overwhelming. And I just want to talk to the parent student head on right now. We recognize that this is confusing. You've been told the narrative you're going to go on all your life. That narrative may not work for you. You might be the 7% that we're talking about, right? 100%. Yeah. I got to run. I love you. Finish it off. Talk to you soon. Bye bye. All right. Episode's over. Please leave a review and subscribe up on Apple. It would mean a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot to me. Thank you very much. Today's highlighted review is Unpredictable by Metzio Realm. Gary V, this is just true fireballs that you were dropping. Unbelievable how the information you provided will have a big impact on people's lives. Keep those reviews coming. We could highlight yours next.